Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Jake Edwards. Jake, where are you at and what are you up to? Uh, I'm back in the United Kingdom at the minute, so I'm in a town called Ellesmere Port, um, and I'm just visiting uh, and catching up with friends and family for the most part of the minute. Where would that be? Is there a big city somewhere in that area that kind of maybe gives us a better idea? I think, I mean, to be honest, in England, like there's always a big city nearby because it's such a small country. But yeah, so like I'm about 15 minutes from Liverpool. So it's kind of, yeah, 15 minutes from Liverpool and maybe 40 minutes from Manchester. So it's in the northwest of uh, northwest of England. And then you said you're visiting. So where where do you call home? Well, obviously Southern Illinois at the minute. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm living at the minute. Um so I don't get a chance to see my family that often or my friends that often. So yeah, coming back at the minute, it's kind of like, I would say it's a bit of a vacation, but I've got so many things planned and so many people that I've got to see and you, like, you just got to try and catch up, have the same conversation with everyone. <laughs> and yeah, so it's uh, Southern Illinois where I'm, where I'm living at the minute, but yeah. What was it like growing up that close to Liverpool and the whole idea of just like soccer in England? Um, do you know what I think being in America it does make you think a lot now because obviously growing up in England like you kind of just think oh well it's probably the same everywhere mm. um, I mean growing up near Liverpool obviously you know you've got Liverpool and Everton fans that's a big rivalry and I think the great thing about England is that there's 92 professional clubs in such a small geographical country Um Whereas like in the US, like when you consider how big the nation is and obviously the MLS is growing, but I remember I used to come over in the 90s, um, used to go to Florida and there was like very few professional teams. Like, you know, the MLS was just kind of starting. Um, and, you know, I think obviously the growth of it's amazing. But that's like a huge difference, I think, between the countries. It's like you, if you live in, say, like a state like Montana and you like soccer, the nearest professional club that you can go. I mean, I wouldn't even want to have a hazard a guess of where the name may be Seattle Sounders, I, I maybe. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, so growing up in the UK, you kind of take it for granted, but then living in America and being like, oh, you can't just go like 10 minutes. Like Tramia Rovers is probably the nearest team to me. Like it's like 15 minutes away. Um, you can't just go to, a, a, like some of the players at Southern Illinois were like, oh, go to St. Louis. Uh, they've just got a new MLS team. But to me, it's like that's two and a half hours away. I, I need I need a couple of weeks to plan that kind of drive. Like, you know, so it's like, it, it's crazy. It's, um, I mean, it's great. Like, I, I love being in America. But yeah, there is definitely a few differences. And I think, I do wonder if that has an impact, especially because there's things like football, there's basketball, there's baseball, which are obviously a lot more popular in America. So, you know, then if you have, you know, fewer professional teams and they're a lot more dispersed. You know, if you grow up somewhere where there isn't a professional soccer team, but then you have like, you know, football and there's so much history and heritage with that sport. You know, obviously being in, in Illinois, you've got the Chicago Bears, who I know aren't particularly good at the minute, but there's so much history there with that team. So it's kind of like, you know, and so I think it's it's definitely a culture shock. Um trying to have a conversation with someone about the Premier League is not the easiest, uh, but I, I very much enjoy it anyway. So when you're born and you're growing up there in England, is soccer just something you just start playing? Like, how did you get into the game of soccer? Um, I think it was my my stepdad. Um, 
was probably the first person, and he's a Manchester United fan. So he was kind of the, I don't even know how, I think I was watching a game with him or something like that. And I think it was a way for me to try and like connect with him and like have something in common with him. So we'd play in the backyard. And then one of the things in the UK is like every street you go down, kids are just always kicking a ball in the street. And it doesn't sound the safest that, but like if you like live down like a quiet road, there's always like all the kids in the street, like play after school and, um, you know, like in America, you see it with basketball. Like, you, you know, you go to a basketball court, there's always kids there, whether it's like 2v2 or 5v5 or there's just, you know, always kids. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see that as much uh, in America, but in the UK it is. It's just like you just play in the street all day on the weekends. After school, you're always in the street, especially like in May when the weather is, is good and the nights are lighter. You know, you, you come in and, and that was what you did. It was, you know, you play in your backyard, you'd go down the local park, like I said, play in the street. Then you obviously play for a team, you play for your school. Um, so it is kind of, kind of nonstop. It's like, it's, I think in America, it's a lot more, there isn't maybe as much of that. Um, but it, again, it's just something that you grew up with, you know, like my, my older sisters, they would play football on the street as well. And then, you know, then the younger kids that are kind of like growing up, then they come and join in as the older kids then go off and, you know, grow up, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I think that was, you know, we have like uh, the way our street court, our, our streets uh, have their, their names on them. They're kind of like... It's like it comes across, it comes out of the ground and it's kind of like a really like miniature goal and like a ball like is small enough to go in there. So you're like, you've got one over there and you've got one over there. You're like, well, there's our field. There's our two goals. And it's like, and you just play in the street and, you know, it, like I said, it's not the safest when you've got cars going past, but uh, you just, you know, that, that was just how I was kind of brought up, like on council estates and things like that. You just, wherever you could, you just played and it was just the norm. So did that then lead to like playing for your local school? Yeah, I, I think I used to go to these soccer schools in um, like the half terms and when the schools broke up and then they were starting a team. It was called Heswell and it's on the Wirral Peninsula. And I trialed and I got in and um, I got in the team, but I didn't know how to play in a team because there was never any kind of like structure or like, I never really knew anything about positions. Like I remember I played for the school very early on and it must have been, I'd been playing and like organized. Like if, if I was playing in the street and you just get the ball and you run and you play, it's great. But then if someone's telling you, right, your position's this, this and this. And I was like, I have not got any clue what's going on. So like the, I remember I played striker for my school in like the second game. And I don't think I moved more than five yards. And like I moved five yards, maybe that way or that way. But I just stayed in like where I just thought I need to be in front of the goal, just stay in front of the goal. And because I just didn't really have a concept at that age. And, you know, that, I think that was kind of like nine or 10 when I first joined the team. Uh, and there's, you know, people will say, you know, just let the kids play, you know, just let them play. But we had a coach that was like quite strict at the time. Um, so I didn't play very much when I first joined that team. And I actually remember my mum. My mum's quite an outspoken person. So if I wasn't playing on the team, she would let the coach know. I remember she like dragged me from the side on one of the games and took me home. She was like, 
like I waste my weekends coming to watch you play soccer and you're not even playing like come on you're going to another team and I joined another team and and that worked out a lot better I had some school friends there so I think yeah my, my earliest memory of playing a team I was like I just didn't know what to do I just like I was a good player and I could play in the backyard I could play in the street but then when it came to like oh you're going to kind of play on this side I was like, like, I don't, I don't know what my roles and responsibilities are. I don't know, you know, what to do. And I think, I think now with coaching kids, there is a lot more of a, just let them play, get the ball and let them play. But I think growing up in the nineties in the UK, every single coach, and you probably have coaches now think they are like a Pep Guardiola. They think they're a Jose Mourinho. And then it's like, you know, so that was kind of how I was coached to begin with. Um, but I, yeah, so I joined a team and I stayed there for a couple of years and then I had to leave because I did bad in school. <laughs> so my mum was like, no, nope, you're not playing. You need to get your grades up. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I was like when I was like 12 or 13. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was the, the best player as a kid. Um, I give me a ball. I was decent, but stick me in a team. And I was like, I, I don't know. I just didn't really understand the roles and responsibilities as much. Has that being in that spot as a player helped you as a coach to be a little bit more cognizant of your communication of roles and responsibilities like you just talked about versus just say hey i need you here being a little bit more like what does that mean kind of knowing that you went through that same experience i think definitely because as i got older and coaches would talk to me about and find ways to relate to me because I, I i watch soccer all the time so they would say like you know, give me a player and kind of that responsibility. And so I kind of used that as a coach. I started coaching when I was 16. And then because everyone is just, everyone, like life over here is like, you watch soccer all the time as well. Like it just, you just watch every game. Um, so I would start coaching and I would kind of relate to other players. And I'd be like, I don't expect you to be as good as that player, but you know, that kind of role or responsibility. And then if you, and then if, if they watch the game, and it's like, well, watch that player if you can. Obviously, it doesn't help because the camera follows the ball. But yeah, it is. I think it's the communication is probably the most important thing as a coach. Like, I mean, you, you could be a really good coach and have great ideas and, you know, great tactics and whatnot. But if, if the players don't understand, like if you're going to make it, you know, overcomplicated and you can't just maybe simplify it and, you know, just kind of one or two things, you know, for the players to focus on, then then it is very hard. So, yeah, I think that was... That was definitely something that, just from my own experience as a player, I was kind of like, you know, the players need to be able to buy in to what I'm saying. Um, and it was not as easy as that. I, so when I started coaching Warrington, and this was about 2016, and I was talking to one of the girls and I was explaining to her about a player and I was kind of saying, I want you to kind of do this role. And she just looked at me and she went, I don't even watch football. And I was like, <laughs> that was just like, I, I just kind of assumed that she did because she played soccer. Like, and I, so I was like, oh, she was like, I just think it's really boring, but I love playing it. And I was like, okay, great. And then for me, it was like, well, that's a learning experience because yeah, she's right. Like just because she plays, it doesn't mean everyone knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, sometimes players sometimes can be a bit shy to say, I don't know what you mean. Like, I don't know, you know. So it, it was just the fact that she just looked at me dead, dead pan and was like, I don't even watch football. Like I don't like it. I was like, oh, okay. It's like, well, this has been a barrier that we've we've overcome now. So yeah, I think I think communication. I think from from me playing to becoming a coach, there probably was some kind of crossover there. Yeah. And you mentioned starting coaching at sixteen. 
Yeah, 16. Yeah. I mean, what's at that age? I think about 16 lakes over here in the States. That's like getting my driver's license and just like starting, get some independence. What is it like when you start taking over the reins and start coaching? Uh, when you look back, what was that experience like? I think it's like probably the most important part of maybe being a coach because I think in the UK, it's very hard to get a full time job coaching over here. I mean, like in America, the whole college system is huge like the reason i wanted to come to the ncaa or even the naia but like coming over over to america it was like they don't have that in england and i don't think any other country does college sport like america like and not just in soccer but like in other sports like it's huge so getting a getting a full-time job in in soccer coaching in the uk is very very difficult and especially if you've never been a player i think with professional clubs when they hire coaches it's kind of like if you're a name rather than maybe your coaching experience you know they can they can justify bringing you in because well this person played for this so when I started coaching and I look back at it now it was voluntary you know I I did it out of my own free time I bought the equipment myself I went into my old elementary school and another elementary school and did after school sessions and then I kind of just did that for a little while. And then I coached at the community. So I was at a community college from 16 to 19, and I would do some sessions there as well. So a lot of it is you're not doing it for the money. You are just doing it to coach in a game. And if I could watch myself back then, like there probably is a lot of things that you would go, oh dear, um, not great. But it was enjoyable. Like I kind of knew that was maybe the path I wanted to go down. I did my FA level one when I was 16 or 17 and I was in community college studying sports. And I, you know, I, I knew that was the avenue I wanted to go down. Um, and yeah, I think it was just kind of getting introduced to it and kind of understanding that leadership role and responsibility and, you know, setting a good example. They were all things that, you know, yeah, I learned it at a pretty young age, but I actually think that was so key because I've got that experience of driving 30 minutes to deliver a session for free and driving 30 minutes back. And at the time working in a hotel as a waiter and a barman, you know, to pay for gas so I could go and do that. So, you know, I think that those experiences, like they, they were extremely in, invaluable. What was it at that time that kind of let you think you were like, I think that was something I wanted to get into was coaching. What was it about that? What was something that kind of maybe was the the thing that turned your eye to like, you know what? I think instead of maybe just playing, I think coaching might be my jam. I think it was just the, like having fun with it as well. And I think I've always been able to communicate pretty well with people. Um, and, when I finished, I think I did maybe like six to eight weeks first. And then there was like a half term. And then one of the teachers were like, oh, the kids have been pestering me. Like, when are you coming back? And it was, that was kind of like a nice, like, oh, like, you know, the, you know, they want me to come back. And so that was kind of maybe, oh, maybe I am good at this. Whether I, I was actually a good coach and whether the kids actually just liked me as a personality. But I think they kind of they go hand in hand. Like, you know, again, you've got to be a, a good personality with kids. So I, I did enjoy it, but I even knew then at that age that it's going to be pretty hard to have it as a, 
as a full-time job. I mean, typically elementary schools, the, the physical education teacher will do the soccer after school, do the rugby after school, do the tennis after school, because then the school doesn't have to, you know, get like your, your, um, your CRB, which is kind of like your background check and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it was kind of, I suppose, the reaction from the players. And yeah, I think also I, I really liked making it my own where, you know, you could, we did like, you know, I mean, everyone does it, but like a, a competition or a tournament, you know, so like, you know, the last 20 minutes you would draft teams or something like that. And you'd have like, a, if we did like a, an eight week block, we'd have a best of eight series or something like that. I had that freedom to kind of, make those mistakes as well like a bit of trial and error and and i like that about it and I, yeah i just think i think i mean obviously if the players had turned around and said oh no we don't want them to come back i may be doing something completely different but i think i think once i knew the players enjoyed it then it was like oh yeah like you know and, and obviously being around soccer is always going to be fun and i always wanted to do something in soccer um so yeah i think probably the player reaction so 16 to 19 doing this gig voluntarily what's the next step like where do you start going now like you said difficult in england is that when you start to look at maybe some other options so i finished in when i was 19 i was coming to the end of that academic year so i was finishing community college and i did not want to go to like it's a three-year university degree obviously it's four year in america i didn't want to do that um I, I'd always wanted to go to America, so I we thought oh, I'll do the summer camp. So obviously with um, Challenger Sports was the company that I, I went out with. And I just got my FA Level 2. And I was pretty naive because when I finished, because um, I was at this point as well, I was working sort of like 30 hours as a waiter in a, in a hotel. And I've been doing that since I was 16. So I finished community college and I'd kind of come to the, to the end of, of working as a waiter. And I went out for four months with Challenger and um, I was there. I was in the Baltimore region in 2009 and it was, I absolutely loved it. I loved America. I mean, I'd been in America before, but I love traveling each week to a different place, working with different coaches, learning different things. And it's, and it really kind of, it teaches you a lot about yourself being away from your family and then unpacking with you know meeting a new host family unpacking all your things getting to know them and then seven days later you're packing up and you're saying goodbye and it's oh and it's that you know and then but then coaching all those kids and all those players and i think you have to have like a different alter ego for different age groups so if you're coaching three-year-olds you have to have like a different you know persona and then you're coaching 15 16 year olds you know so that was kind of what i did and, and i remember coming back and i was really naive i was like i'll come back and i'll just get a job in everton's academy and even to this day now with all my coaching experience and my qualifications so when i came back i was like oh like everton i'll go and work in everton's academy and it's like doesn't work like that you know so i came back and there was just nothing there for me and, and so i went back to the hotel i worked at and kind of started waiting on tables again and that's when i decided i need to go to college i need to go to university get a coaching degree something like that something that you know um improve my education and yeah so i i did that and i ended up doing four summers with challenger sports that was kind of my my thing in the summer um where i would i think i went back to the community college that i studied at coached them throughout the year which was like 
two sessions a week, if that. And it was one of those things where they didn't have to be there. So you turn up and you don't know how many kids you're going to have and what they actually want to do. And, you know, so you're trying to make it fun. So, you know, that was kind of what I was doing um, when I went to college for those kind of few years and then started coaching the women's college team at the University of Chester. That was kind of 2012. So that was kind of like that sort of three, four year period. And, you know, that was when I first got introduced to going to America and, and yeah, I just kind of fell in, fell in love with the place. So one of the things that comes to mind is you talked about stepdad, Man United fan, kind of got you introduced to it. And then mom, a strong personality. What was it like when you mentioned like, hey, I'm thinking about going to America for the summer to work on coaching and kind of figuring things out. How, how, what was that like? You talked about being away from home. How, what was it like for them? Um, I don't think I ever asked them. Um, <laughs> like, it's funny. Cause like my stepdad, like had a massive influence on me with soccer. And then like my, my father, my dad's actually like my best friend as well. So like, I, I'm really, really lucky that I have that like kind of support network. But I do remember my mum crying at the airport. So I remember when I went to the airport and uh, said goodbye. And like my dad kind of gave me a, just a, a quick hug because I think he knew, like, don't make it emotional. And there was some other coaches there that I was meeting and we were flying together. And I was like, and my mum just burst into tears. So then I started crying and I was like, well, you know, this is, this is awful. Um, but I think she knew that it would be such an amazing experience to go over there and travel and just have this experience and it was something that i had wanted to do when i started coaching i had pinpointed like i'd love to go to america because you know i love the country and love the culture and i think also just like experiencing soccer in a different a different environment and you know like i said being in all these different places it's not like you're coaching the same kids for eight weeks um you're in one place and you travel around and you know sometimes you're in a city and then sometimes you're in the middle of nowhere and but that's just all part of it like i i, I enjoy stuff like that you know I, I quite like that um so they were really supportive and my one of my elder sisters she did camp america um so like that's on like my dad's side of the family so i think my dad and my stepmom had kind of like they they, they knew that and the kind of like the kids are going to often do what they want to do and and it's funny because like the th me and my two siblings, we all live in like different countries around the world. Now like, none of us live in the UK, so uh, and uh, they probably my, my parents probably think it's to do with them, but it, it's generally not. Um, so I think yeah, they they were very very supportive. They'd always like encourage me to go and follow my dreams and follow what I wanted to do. Um, and so I, you know, yeah, there was some maybe some how say tears on the phone but like sometimes you would get a bit homesick and like you'd speak to my mom and I'd be like oh I'm ready to go home but I, what I've learned is when I when I go to America and I go abroad and I come back after about three days I just want to go back to America like those first, first three days of like seeing everyone and then the novelty wears off and then you get the kind of request from a grandmother to go around and do some jobs and chores for her and you're like oh here we go yeah this is you know yeah so yeah no but you know it, and to answer your question, yeah, they've just always been really, really supportive of whatever I've done. When you look back at Chester, what was what was that first experience like of taking over like a actual program, program and coaching? It's different to the US. It's not what you see in America. What like the 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 university in the UK when it comes to um 
sports teams is very competitive in the game. The games are on a Wednesday afternoon, and I think you train two or three times a week. Um, but it's it's a fair comment to say that they enjoy their social life um, in season, and it's very hard because I think there are that the top universities have scholarships, but the players come to get a degree and then they kind of go to trials and they kind of join a team. And it's not like, so it's not in, in the same way you hire, like I was a student at the time myself, because I'd had my, I think I had my level two and I was doing a sports coaching degree and I got on with some of the girls that they were like, Oh, do you want to come in and you know, coach us? Cause we, we need a coach like the, like a little bit of guidance. And I played on the, the men's team. So, but that was really, really good because I think that was probably my first experience of coaching females. And I just remember like really being able to coach them and go into really good detail. Like they really wanted to like, like with guys and like my experience, especially when I was at the community college and you got like 18, 19 year old guys. If you said, nine things they need to work on and one good thing they'd live off the one good thing that you said and you're like whereas like i feel like the females i coached in chester it was like if you give them nine really good things but then one thing they need to work on they want to know what they can do with that one thing and that's just my experience like so it was great and they weren't you know great players and great athletes because they were there to to study and they were there to socialize and have a good time and they wanted to play soccer and but they, you know, they wouldn't be getting up in the morning and doing two a days and stuff like that. It was so that, but it was really good because then you have to find a really good balance between coaching them and affecting them and getting them to a point where they wanted to be coached, but you you weren't too full on that it turned players away. It's kind of like it is a social environment. We want to keep that and we want to keep that enjoyment. Um, but then also, you know. I do want to plan sessions and I do want to kind of explain what I'm doing and actually coach them. So it's, yeah, it was kind of like, how can I have a little bit of compromise and a bit of what I want to do, but then also listen to what they want as well. Because essentially if they'd have all said, no, we don't like it, then they'd have all probably left the team and then, you know, it would have been a bit of a disaster. So, so how long are you at Chester and then what, what's the next step what kind of is your where does your soccer coaching journey go from there uh so i was at chester and then i had an opportunity to i'm trying to think uh i think 2013 i finished my degree no that's a lie no 2013 yeah i think it was 2013 and then 2014 i stayed to do a master's degree in sport leadership and management and at that point i because I'd done four summers with Challenger, 2009, 10, 11, 12. And then I had an opportunity to go to Elche in Spain. And they were in La Liga at the time. And I was there for about a month. And it was a, a voluntary thing uh, where I was going to work with... I would shadow the reserve team in the mornings by the stadium. And then in the evenings, I would shadow the assistant coaches in the academy, which was the first real experience of a professional club environment. I'd always emailed clubs like Everton and Tranmere and Liverpool and teams near me to say, can I go in like voluntary and just, I just wanted to 
see how it was run at a professional level. I wanted to see coaches that had professional experience and, and how they were. And I never really got that opportunity. So when I went to Spain, like I said, it was only for about four weeks. So I did that um, when I was doing my master's. And then, yeah, so that was a, a real big thing. And then after that, it was, I finished my master's and then I actually went to America for 10 months. I did a full 10 month stint with, with Challenger Sports in, I was living in, um, in Palo Alto, which was an, an incredible experience in, in California. Um, I, I was there for about 10 months um, because I'd finished my education and I was like, oh, I can maybe stay out there. That was a bit of a harder one to sell to my parents because it was like, it's not just three months this time. It's like, I'm actually gone for 10 months. So, so yeah, so I, so yeah, with college, it was like the master's a little bit of, with it, with Elche. And then once that had finished, it was like, over to over back over to America for 10 months. You mentioned earlier kind of the comparisons between the US and the UK. What was soccer like in Spain? What was that? Was it a similar vibe or was there noticeable differences there as well? Um, so one thing that I think at that time I was one thing that we were doing in the UK at that point was realizing that you need to teach kids to play and not to win. And I think certainly like growing up for me as a kid, when I was coached, it was you were being coached to win. Whereas in Spain, the kids were coached to play soccer. And I remember speaking to the Elche reserve captain and his name was Charlie Janssen. And when we were when I was watching him train, and he was the captain and he was communicating in Spanish. And then he said something under his breath in this thick London accent and i was like what and it, it turned out that he he um he moved over when he was very young with his family from from london so we were talking to him and he was like over in spain they you literally play the ball out from the back all the time and he said i would go home crying because we were being told to play the ball out from the back and we would lose and we would concede loads of goals but there was a reason behind it Whereas in the UK, I remember being told by my coaches, if I played like right and like right outside back as a defender, if the ball comes to you, you just get rid of the ball. You just hit it as far away as you possibly can because they don't want you to concede. Whereas like, so for this guy, Charlie, like he was being told from a young age. Now, I mean, I wouldn't recommend kids crying and losing, you know, six, seven nil because they're being forced to play out from the back. Maybe you kind of balance that out a little bit and say, we're going to play the first 15 minutes and try this and then we'll try this or whatever. But so, yeah, it was very different. And then obviously, but then as, as Charlie got older, he was then comfortable playing out from the back. He was then, you know, he could play soccer. He was a defender and he was used to having the ball at the back. Um, like now, for example, goalkeepers you see in the EPL and they're really good with their feet. You know, 30, 40 years ago, the idea of a goalkeeper having the ball at the feet, I mean, you, you know, unbelievable. So that was a big difference in Spain was that they were like so far ahead of the UK in terms of like you, coaching their kids. And that was from, you know, sort of like a professional club's point of view. It was like, we're going to teach you to play. But I'd never really heard of that. It was like, yeah, teach them to play, not to win. And I was like, yeah, like, of course, like as they get older, you then bring in the element of winning, depending on where you are. But it's true, like you, when you look back now, are you going to brag or, you know, the the best memory you've got is winning an under sevens tournament? Like probably not. Like, but, but that was the biggest, the biggest difference, I think. And it's funny because like being from England, like 
we are so like narrow-minded. We're like, soccer's the best in England. Like, you can't tell us any different. I don't care how many World Cups Brazil have got. And then when they're like, <laughs> when they're going for that, and you're like, yeah, it's not not a bad philosophy, actually. Maybe, you know, maybe you, you do have something over us there a little bit. So now, like, in England, that's like what we do. We teach them to, to play. But um, yeah, that was that was the biggest difference, I think. In the 10 months in Palo Alto, was that when you said, you know what, I think I want to set roots here in the U.S. and start coaching here? Or did you come back to the U.K. again and start trying to figure out maybe what the next thing was after doing that 10-month stint? Yeah, I think the plan was always to go back to America. I really wanted to get my UEFA B license. I think that was something that – because I had a master's degree. And, and like, in America, you guys are so – that's a really important part of like someone's, you know, resume is their education. In the UK, I could tell you that I've got a master's in sport management. No one cares. Everyone, they're very focused on like the, the coaching qualifications from the from UEFA or the FA. Whereas in America, it's quite a nice balance. So when I was in Palo Alto um, and I was there for 10 months, yeah, when I, when I came home, the plan was maybe try and get my UEFA B and then come back to America. Um, that was very much the, the plan. It didn't play out that way. And that was, I think, 2015, 2016. And so I was about 25, 26 at the time. And, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to go back to America because I hadn't really spoken to any college coaches. Um, I did actually meet um, Peter Fewing, who's the Seattle University head coach, because just through like a mutual friend, and which was great talking to him. But I never really thought of that. So when I'd gone back to England, uh, yeah, the plan was to go back to America, but I hadn't really actually thought about how to do that. Like I'd, because I felt with Challenger, it was great, and I'd done the camps and then I'd done a 10 month stint, but then I was kind of like, I want to go kind of like the next step, you know, and, um, so yeah, no, it was that was the plan, and yeah, just <laughs> did, did nothing ever really goes to plan, does it? So it kind of like it, it just it didn't. I, I stayed out in in England. I worked in a gym, so I went back to my old college at Chester, and I became a fitness instructor, and I got on my way for B, and I had an opportunity to go back, and I said no, and this is probably my biggest regret because I was at the time I was I was in a relationship as well and I was close to my family and so I was like oh you know I you know I'll stay in the UK you know I'll stay here and um finish my way for B and then you know America just maybe just wasn't meant to be you know it just kind of just let that that go by um and that was kind of like 20 2017 maybe um and I that's when I got the role coaching the women's team at Warrington Wolves um which was probably the best coaching experience for longevity that I've had. I was there about six years. So yeah, I think that kind of 2015, 16 period when I, when I got back to the UK and I was like, yeah, definitely want to go back, got on my way for B. And then I think just the longer I stayed in the UK, I was there for three months, four months, five months, six months. It just seemed harder to maybe go back to America. And that I, you know, like I said, I was in a relationship then and I was close to my family and, you know, it just, it, it looked like that kind of opportunity then, you know, just slipped away. What was the experience like being a part of that whole Wolverton and all that kind of experience in terms of your growth as a coach? Yeah, they they were, um, 
that was the biggest like jump from being a coach because I, I did my UEFA B when I was coaching them. So obviously like learning a lot off the course and learning from other coaches and applying it. Um, and like, that was when I kind of like, you know, started to really coach a, a certain style of play, like an identity for me as a coach and what I liked. And you know, they were great. Cause again, so Warrington Wool, the, they were called Warrington Wolverines, but they've now merged with a professional rugby league team. So they're just Warrington Wolves women's team. And I think they're like the sixth tier of the soccer pyramid in women's soccer. Um, and again, though, they're all adult females, but they all work full time. They've got families, they've got responsibilities. And a lot of clubs at that level in the UK, the pay, the players pay a small monthly fee to help cover costs for referees, for pitches, for facilities, for things like that. So again, that that's another point as a coach. It's like, whether the players are good or bad, they're an integral part of the club because they help the club run. And because there are so many amateur teams, again, it's a social environment. And, and Warrington is, is you know, the players were excellent. We had some players who played at Preston North End or at Manchester City or, you know, and players that maybe in, in the late 20s, early 30s that still really wanted to play and be competitive, but they worked full time, you know, or they had, you know, they couldn't come to practice tonight and they told me 20 minutes before because they had childcare problems. And then as a coach, I can't, that's just life. You know, that's just, you know, you can't hold that against the players, but that was where, yeah, I was, I was, I, I was in a joint, I was started off as an assistant coach and then the manager left after a season. And then myself and Wendy Booth, um, we, we took it. She was like the chairperson of the club and she was doing her way for B at the time. She works for the Football Association now in the UK. We kind of did it as a joint manager role and absolutely loved it, you know, getting the players on side and trying to get the players to buy into sort of a certain identity and be competitive. And that was, the only difficult thing with that was that there was a lot of potential there for the players, but it was like they've got bigger responsibilities. You know, they can't. So, and with the way I plan my practices and, and I started doing this at Warrington was like, I would plan a practice, but I would every single player would have something that they could relate to on the field. So if you, if I was doing possession or something like that, it wasn't just like eight v eight, go and get the pennies. I would do it so like every player was kind of like accounted for, and I could. So then if they asked me anything, I could say, well, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this because on Sunday you're going to do this. And so then like when it's twenty minutes before practice and you're setting up, and then three players drop out because there's traffic on the motorway on the highway or you know my, my son's ill so i can't come to practice and then it's like oh then you've got to really think on your feet and change the whole practice so that that was a big learning curve but i i just that group of players i was there from 2016 to about 2020 and then left for a year and then came back for a year and i'm still really good friends with a few of them um and in fact, two, like two of them, um, one of them's getting married and they just got married in Hawaii and I'm going to go and see them next week. They're having like, because they were in Hawaii, they're having a big UK do um, party next week. So I'm going to go and see them and I'll see a few of the players. So like that's, it's really nice to kind of have that. Because that, again, being a coach there, it was difficult because it's like they want to win. Like it's not, yes, it's social, but it's like, no, no, we want to win. We want to have a good coach. We want to have a coach that we can buy into. Um, and understand what we're doing. 
but they also have to understand as a coach that you know we aren't full-time players we have responsibilities you know so how do you how do you manage that how do you have a practice you know you have a you have a player who scores one Sunday they can't come to practice because they're working and then you have a player in practice on Thursday who scores five goals who do you start on the Sunday because you you know you can't hold it against someone because it's so it, and again going back to communication at the start of this communication is everything if a player can't play or isn't playing I have to tell them why I have to talk to them and keep them on side and keep them optimistic and be like look you know this is my thinking and at least then they can they're still not going to be happy obviously um but yeah that was that was the biggest learning experience with my my years at Warrington definitely the one thing I love about it too is you talked about early on about why you love coaching was when you heard that the players wanted to have you back and now here you are at the high you know older level and yeah. now you're getting to go back and see the you know at a, outside of the game of soccer but still in a way they want you to be around to see them at their you know celebrating a wedding or just kind of touching base and stuff which is so cool yeah i think that's like and that ultimately that's it. even like at college now even at siu like yeah the, these players are going to play soccer but they're going to go off and have careers in things and they're going to do you know and it's like that's that for me is a huge part of being a coach is that you build these relationships and you're investing your time in the people and not just the players. It's like, like I want you to go and succeed, to go and succeed in whatever you go and do. You know, I, I want you to be fully committed to soccer and you want to get better. And, you know, and of course that, and, and I love coaching, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to go and see, I mean, we just had a big recruiting um, seniors class of seniors that have graduated and we've got 15 players and I've only been there a year, but it's like, oh, it's great to like, see where they're going to go and what they're going to go and achieve with their lives, you know, and, and with, with the world of social media now, you don't always have to be texting someone every single day. It's, you know, but you stay in touch and you get to see what they go and do. And so, yeah, like it is great to come back to the UK. And um, it's funny because like one of the players or one of the players at Warrington, because um, like, you know, I still keep up with their scores and things are, they had a really good start to the season. They had a really good run in the FA Cup as well. So you're excited for the players. And I texted her and I said, oh, I'm back in the UK. And she was like, I've just got off the plane in Florida. I was like, oh, okay. it's like, it's like <laughs> on vacation in America. I was like, all oh, right, okay, brilliant. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's nice to to stay in touch and, you know, kind of still be a part of their lives in, in some way, you know, just kind of go and see them. Like when I was back at Christmas, you know, I went out, it was the the team night out. So I went and saw some of them and um, a few of the younger players that didn't know who I was, like, who's that long haired guy that's just kind of like turned up. Um, but yeah, so that, that is that, that is the best part of it. Like I love coaching and, but I love being able to hopefully have a positive impact on the players, like from a, a soccer point of view and, and make them better. And, feel like I made a difference but then hopefully you know they go and do something and you can be like yeah that's great especially at college you know when you see them stressing out for their exams and what they're going to do so that is the that is definitely the best part of it yeah so you're mentioning the large graduating class of Southern Illinois you go back after Challenger you're you know he said it takes four or five six months and then you're there for a handful of years how do you end up at Southern Illinois um so I think when I, so like, I think from like 2017, so I was with Warrington um, and the pandemic hit 
and so when I was saying before about you know kind of coming back after 10 months and being maybe America's just not for me I think when the pandemic hit I was still working full-time as a fitness instructor I was coaching Warrington voluntarily for those years I got my UA for B and when the pandemic hit I think probably a lot of people just kind of maybe reflected on their lives a little bit and kind of thought you know am I am I doing what I what I want to do um and in the pandemic, I moved to become a security officer. So again, I was working at Chester still. I feel like I've been at Chester all my life. And uh, I was becoming a security officer there because um, it was good pay. And so I was doing that. And then I just, I remember in the pandemic, just thinking, yeah, I, I really wish I'd gone back to America. And I, I spoke to my my dad about it. I was like... I just feel like I, I should have gone to America. You know, I, I stayed at the, at the time because of other things in the UK, which, you know, which was a big regret of mine. You know, maybe I stayed for, not for my myself, but for other people. And sometimes you have got to put yourself first. And then the, 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 the campus where I was working as a security officer was closing down and they talked about, you know, voluntary severance and things like that. And, and I'd always had the idea, and my mum had always said to me, "Go and be a teacher. It's a it's a solid career. You know, there's longevity in it. You get a pension, whatever. You're great with kids. You've got this experience coaching kids." And I'd always kind of said, oh, "I've put all this time and effort into being a coach. I really think I can be a full time coach. I really think I can do it. I know it's difficult, but I really think I can do it." And and then when when Chester was closing, and I didn't want to be a security officer for the rest of my life. But it was like, well, the money's helping pay the bills and I'm doing some coaching voluntary. And uh, and I was like, yeah, maybe I should. So I applied at university to go back and become a teacher. And I arranged with um, Chester. I said, OK, I'll take the voluntary severance. So this is 12 months ago, actually. And this was in May. I was leaving and I said, I want to leave in May. Because before I go back to university in September, I want to go and do Challenger for another summer. I was like, I've not done it for seven years, I think it was at the time. I'd always regretted not going back. And there's so many places I'd love to see. And if I'm going to be a teacher, I'm you know, really never going to get that opportunity again. Um, even though all the coaches are typically like 19, 20 years of age. And last summer I was 32. So I... Um, yeah, that's what I did. I, I just kind of I was going to go to to Denver, Colorado and go to Wyoming and Idaho and places like that. Um, so I, I left the university and went off to Challenger for kind of like and I, I it was kind of sad as well because I, I kind of was giving up on that. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to be a full time coach. You know, I'll always have the opportunity to be a volunteer and to do voluntary stuff and do things with Warrington. But there's always going to be that ceiling that I'm just never going to become a, a full-time coach it's never going to be when I wake up in the morning my job it's always going to be I'm working I'm you know I have a house so I've got to pay the bills and then okay I have a little bit of free time um and I was out in America and I think it was like the start of July and I saw the role come up at Southern Illinois and it was someone to put it in like the Challenger Sports they have like an alumni group of all the people gone past of all like people that have been there <clears throat> and I was like well, I'll apply for it. You know, I'll have a conversation with the coach. You know, I'll just see, you know. And and honestly, like, I was never going to go and work at Southern LA. It was never going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, I had a conversation with the coach at the time. And then I remember, this was like early July. And I was, I was where was I? I think I was in, I want to say I was in Idaho. 
and had the interview and I got it and I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, and I remember speaking to my mum and dad before the interview and I said, like, this is what I'm going to do. I said, I'm just going to go and roll with it. I really don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's very hard. Um, but, you know, why not? And then my mum and dad were brilliant because I think my mum as well was a bit like, oh, I just convinced him to be a teacher. I just convinced him to finally go back to university and be a teacher. And now he thinks he's going to get this opportunity. And I just sold it to my mum and dad. I was like, look, I'm probably not going to get it. Like, there's going to be so many hurdles in the way. And I got the role and then they said, we need you to be here on the 1st of August. And I was like, well, it's like the 10th of July and I'm in Idaho uh, and I have a contract with Challenger. Um, so I think I, I got to Southern Illinois on the 15th of August. And in that time, I had to finish my contract with Challenger a bit early. So I had to do two other weeks of coaching. I flew back to the UK end of July, had to rent my house out, um, get that ready to rent it out to someone sell my car, um, go and get the visa from London, um, get transcripts and things like that and, and coaching certificates and university certificates to send over to SIU and all those different things. Um, and then just, yeah, flew to, flew to Orlando, flew to St. Louis and it was two o'clock in the morning and I am not exaggerating. I had to pay $400 for an Uber from St. Louis airport to Southern Illinois. Ridiculous. I was like, Southern Illinois and me are not getting off to a good start. Um, they quoted me like 150. And then they say that thing where they say like, oh, there may be additional charges if you're getting picked up from an airport. And I was like, additional charges I can deal with. I was like, an extra 250 so like yeah landed it was like monday the 15th of august uh, and that's yeah I, i'll be honest like it's, it's been crazy like to think as well 12 months ago i was like kind of giving up on being a full-time coach and just being like yeah this is this is me kind of done and but then having that opportunity like that second chance um and and i think when i actually got to siu and there was so many unknowns um where i was going to be living what the schedule was going to be, meeting the players, doing all that. And I think the season began on the Thursday, the 18th. We played Lindenwood in the first, like, non-conference game. So, I, you know, I couldn't even tell you the players' names at that point. But I think through the whole process of doing that, it was like I'd rather – because I'd always wanted to do it and I'd always regretted it. I'd always rather try something like that and it not work out then always live with the what if and the regret of ah, what what could have happened if I if I'd have just done it you know um because I figured that well if it doesn't work out I can always come back and train to become a teacher here um you know how many opportunities are you going to get to to come in and from a very young age when I first wanted to come to America I'd always say oh I'd love to work within college sport in America I'd always just because like just how amazing it looks so yeah to to get to SIU it was just like to actually be there and I was kind of like reflecting on it when I was flying back I was like what a crazy year like I actually can't believe what's happened in that year like and the experience I've had like how amazing and how grateful I am like I you know just in wait like <laughs> with the difference in waking up in America when the sun is shining and there is heat to the UK like I should be due some like kind of compensation for my parents for making me grow up in the UK and waking up to rain and cold and wind and just like so just that like waking up in you know in Carbondale and just going to work and just coaching and you know you have players who book in for individual sessions at eight o'clock in the morning and I just like I just love it that's like the best part of being out on the field 
um you get players who say oh am i okay to do a session at eight o'clock in the morning i'm like absolutely like yeah that, that's brilliant like you know um so yeah that's that's how i got out to siu and like i said just it was a crazy crazy journey that kind of like six week period from the first of july to like the middle of august was like a complete blur and i generally didn't think i would i would get out there but i did and it was the best decision i ever made i was gonna say what once the the craziness kind of settled down i don't even know if it ever did but what was it about the experience you talk about having those individual sessions with players what was it about the experience that i saw you as a coach and just for you in general that you enjoyed so much i just loved like first of all like getting that trust of the players because like I, I walk in like three days before the first game and you're just kind of like oh hey how's it going you know um and I, I really like that process of like getting to know them having them small conversations and then it's like then they trust you enough to like can I have an individual session and then it's like they book in more and you get to develop them as a player because I love coaching on the field if you have a squad of like 26 27 players you know you need those you know those voluntary individual sessions at times to really get in and coach an individual and so you know i i love that and and you know that's when you get to hear everyone's own individual story about how they got there and you know you you obviously you hear about everyone's battles and things like that and kind of what they're going through and you know you know as a coach you want to be able to support them and understand them as well so yeah it was just it was the fact that like i'm a soccer coach like that's my that's my profession. That's like what I'm doing. And I I absolutely love it. I just, you know, planning sessions and delivering them and everything about it. I just feel really, really grateful and, and don't want to take it for granted for one second. And, you know, it, it was sad when, because I got there in August and then the season ended, I think the 31st of October, we, we got beat in the first round of the MVC playoffs. Um, and I was like, and then like that week afterwards when it was like no coaching, like it's, and I was like, I was like, this is pretty difficult. I was like, I don't even know the players that well. Like I've known them for what, three months. And then it's like, you know, you go from coaching every day or nearly every day and getting to know them all to then it's like, oh yeah, no, like there's, there's nothing. So then coming back for spring training, it was great. And it was, you know, and working with other coaches, uh, Matt and Alyssa was just really exciting and i just loved it it was it was it, i think it was everything that i'd hoped it would be you know because obviously coming over here some things aren't always as good as what can be made out and sometimes things can be underwhelming and it was like no like this is this past year like and i don't think the players i, I tell the players how much I, I cared about them and i just don't think they understand i think they're just like yeah right everyone says that and i'm like no like, i i love coaching like i love coaching this team i love coaching these players um you know, because I, I don't like, I don't care what they're, obviously, we're a Division One program, so with the recruiting, yes. But, like, if you're a player and you want to get better, yeah, let's go. Like, you know, like, I want to make you a better player. Like, I, I don't want to focus on, like, you can't do this and you can't do that. And it, I'd rather be like, right, okay, so you need to improve on that. Let's do it. Like, why, why would we not try and improve them? Like, that's what we're there to, like, let's go and coach. Let's, you know, so I love it when the players have that determination to just get better and, and learn and have that passion to get better because then if you have that then it's like i'm in my absolute element as a coach that is an awesome way to shut this chat down this is kieran with coach's corner chats with jake edwards
and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.